Three, two, one. Welcome, everybody. This is How to English. Teach and learn with Gav and M. It's a podcast about teaching and learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal, and references will be given when possible. Hi, M. Hi, Gav. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. This week's episode. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. This week, you have had a wonderful idea. Would you like to share your idea with the listeners? My idea is to talk about common mistakes by teachers and students. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. And how did you come up with that idea? I I don't know. I think it was just going around in my head. Oh, it's very logical. It's a good way to start. Maybe we could talk about some little anecdotes.、Mm, okay, and also some practical advice. Maybe we should do that too to stop making mistakes. That's a very good idea because everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this, Gav. Making mistakes by teachers and students. Don't forget him. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's making them. Even after this long, I still make mistakes、yes. myself. Let's try fixing them. <laughs> okay, so you still make mistakes too, I guess. Yes, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, so teachers make mistakes, students make mistakes. So we should help our students to recognize those mistakes, anticipate them, maybe predict them, and avoid them as well. That is a very good idea. So they can prepare themselves for what might happen in the classroom. Yes. So we need to think about how we can prepare ourselves to avoid making mistakes in the future. Have you got any examples of any mistakes you or your students made in the past, Em? Well, I I fell off a chair once. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a good example, but yeah.、Um... Were you teaching prepositions or phrasal verbs to fall <laughs> off or? I don't know. No, to be trip on, over to be on the floor. No, no, I wasn't. It was a complete accident that I was looking so much at the students, focusing on them that I I misjudged where the chair was. I thought it was underneath me, and it wasn't. And I heard a very audible gasp from everybody. <sighs> Not those kind of mistakes. Well,、um, those are also important things when you're in that space in that classroom and think about how to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, physically, you have to be aware of your surroundings, and I think every teacher knows that horizontal bruise on their thigh. Oh yes, the table bruise. The table bruise, as it's known in the trade.、Mm-hmm. Yes,、uh, you just don't look where you're going, and you bash yourself. That's it, and、uh, it could be tripping over students' chairs. You have to be very aware of yourself and other people. I once poked a student in the eye with a piece of paper, and for the whole lesson, she was. Basically, covering her eye, and her eye was watering, and it was really, really painful because it was the corner of the paper. Really feel bad. Still feel bad about that one. Oh, that's terrible. I've forgotten to teach sometimes. Well, what do you mean you've forgotten to、oh, teach? I just wasn't there. Oh, in the room. Yes. What you meant? You just sat down and started talking about something that wasn't a lesson. But you mean you weren't physically there at all? Yeah, I think there was an issue with my timetable. Oh. So、okay. I didn't actually teach that lesson, but that hasn't happened many times. Okay. Well, so what happened? Did the students write to you to say where are you? Or、um, yeah, I think they wrote 
where are you? And I said, I'm here. And they said, where? And I said, on the other side of town. And I think that was the issue. We were in two very different places. Oh, well, maybe it's better that they they contacted you rather than tell you after, you know, the week after. Where were you? We were here. You weren't here. At least they told you. Yeah, okay. Um, But that is very, very rare. Yeah, but it does... It does happen, though. Yes. I once had a colleague who, I don't know whether it was professional or not, but he he started the first lesson of the course by every time he would tell his students that it it will happen in the course that he will forget to, like, he'll set an alarm and not wake up. Oh, really? And he will just not be there for the lesson. And he started off by saying that. In the first lesson? Yeah, I thought it was quite unprofessional, but also very honest. So I wasn't sure if it was a good idea or not. That's awful. Well, that reminds me of a teacher I once worked with who used to go in wearing sunglasses because they were so hungover from the night before Mm. and just told the students to take over. They selected a student and said, right, you're the teacher today. You teach everybody. Oh, dear. And they would just basically sleep behind their sunglasses while the students continued learning on their own. Oh, dear. See, I think there is a fine line between being honest and then just being an inept teacher and maybe not being professional. It doesn't seem good. No, but it does tell us that we're all fallible and we all will make mistakes. Yeah, we're all a bit rubbish sometimes. But I think there is mistakes and then there's just not being professional, which mm-hmm. for me is different. I agree. That's just not the way to be a teacher. Mm. What other mistakes come to mind, Gav? So I remember going to the wrong office because they had two branches in town and I went to the wrong one and the students were at a different one. Oh, yeah, because sometimes the information you get is just the head office or the headquarters. Exactly. See you in the office is Mm. not always very clear which office and you have to make sure you've got the right information. Yeah, and it really doesn't matter if you arrive late to that first lesson. In my opinion, you've blown it. It's like that first impression you've got you go in you you can try and give them an excuse or tell them what you did wrong or whatever but i still think the ultimate end of that is you weren't there on time yeah. and that looks really bad i think students do keep that feeling for quite a long time and it yeah it takes a long time to get that back yeah definitely and you can blame google maps you can say oh you know the bus broke down or whatever but I've just so many times I've wanted to say I'm not like this I'm never late I'm Mm. always on time it just doesn't sound good I think you just sound like you're making excuses so you have to earn that respect back yes you just have to accept that you messed up and that you will prove yourself after that and you will get there Earn their respect. Yeah. Well, I thought your policy was to arrive at least 25 minutes before the lesson M, isn't it? So you can make a cup of tea? Yeah, oh, maybe not 25. But yeah, I, I like to get there. I like to prepare myself mentally. I like to know that I don't have to stress about getting there. Um, and I think we've both done that thing where you get the address of the business that you need to go to or the school and you kind of have a dry run the day before to see where you've got to go often on a Sunday I remember going to places on my day off just so I knew where it was going really just so I knew where I was going that's real dedication 
It is, but I'm saving myself the stress. You know, I want to make a good impression, but I'm also doing it for my own benefit so that I don't feel worried or nervous and then embarrass myself. But sometimes you sort of see the students maybe that you don't realise or you, you think... Are they going to be in my lesson tomorrow if there's somebody there in the office? But... Oh dear, especially if it's a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just sightseeing. I'm just, you know, looking around. Um, what other examples of mistakes can you think of then, Gav? Well, you mean like materials, forgetting books, not taking a pen? Yeah, you're obsessed with pens, aren't okay. you? I've always got two pens with me. Oh, a backup pen. Yes, okay. because there's always a student who says, teacher, can I borrow a pen, please? And then I wouldn't have a pen, and that could be a problem. <laughs> okay, yeah, you talk about notebooks, pens, that sort of thing, but that lurching feeling of I haven't got my lesson plan or mm. I haven't brought any of the notes with me for the lesson that I prepared, that I spent two hours doing yesterday. Have you ever had that feeling? Oh, yeah. I've spent hours preparing an interview lesson and forgetting to take it with me and then having to improvise the whole thing and remember exactly what I had prepared. Yeah, that's really, really stressful. Imagine trying to teach for two hours on basically steam. (laughs) It's not easy. No. No, no. And on the topic of pens, can we go back to pens for a second? Mm -hmm. Um, There was an observation that I did once with a a teacher who was trying to draw something on the board and she had the wrong colour pen. She was trying to draw broccoli, but she had the wrong colour. So she, instead of green, she was using red and it looked like an explosion or some sort of fire cloud wow and the students weren't really getting it (laughs) okay so what the teacher was saying imagine this red cloud is green yeah which is which vegetable is this (laughs) yeah it was really complicated yeah so always make sure you've got the right color okay yes if you have colored pens that can be really useful to explain things yeah yes that reminds me uh on the topic of pens i had i think about 30 kids in the class and it was the last lesson of the course and i thought instead of doing our usual repeat after me my name is nice to meet you here we go i thought i'll get them all to draw something for me so i told them everybody sit down quietly all take your pens and your paper and now I want you to draw and I thought to myself what should they draw and I said anything I want you to draw anything and all the kids looked at me they looked at each other and said what do you want us to draw and I said I want you to draw anything and then they looked at each other and went ah and they all started drawing And about 10 minutes later, one of them came up to me and they showed me this picture of a fantastic elephant. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. Well done. That's a really good elephant. And they sat down and then the next one came up to me and they also had drawn an elephant. Mm, That's weird. The next one, an (laughs) elephant. And the next one, an elephant. And then I realised when I I said anything, they thought (laughs) I'd said elephant. I want you all to draw an elephant. That's so sweet. It is sweet. They must have thought, that's very strange. Why does our teacher want us all to draw an elephant? (laughs) Oh, that's great. But that's a really good example of one, not exactly a mistake, but just one student assuming 
They knew. Well, I think it was all 30 of them, you assuming. Think they, well, wow, okay. I just assumed one said, I know what it is, and they all thought, okay. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Oh, how cute is that? It was very sweet. <laughs> I also had another incident where I was being observed by a senior teacher, and I remember making lots of notes on the board with my pen and feeling a bit stressed, and I think we had a really fun activity, which was matching the time with uh, pictures that the students had with numbers on the board and they had to run back and forth and things like that. And anyway, I remember writing all these numbers on the board and then towards the end of the lesson, I remember the students were looking kind of awkwardly at me and then finally the lesson finished and the senior teacher said, thanks very much, Gav, see you later and left. And then the students were sort of looking at me like and pointing at their faces and I thought, what are they doing? What are they trying to tell me? And I um, I said, All right, excuse me a second. I went out and I looked in the mirror and I had completely covered my face in black pen. Oh, no. So obviously this is a story to teach you. Don't put your pens in your mouth. No oh, matter, is that what you did? No matter how stressed you are. Exactly. Oh, no. Yeah, that was my mistake. I was sucking on the pen ah. and uh, it looked really, really silly. And you probably did that because you were nervous. You I might think so. not have done that ordinarily. You might not have done that. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so How st- embarrassing. So make sure you uh, stick to the board with your pens. Yes. And now I get it, Gav. Now I understand your obsession with pens. It does seem like quite traumatic that you've had this experience. <laughs> okay. um, but yes, I think we've all all teachers have done done it once, never to repeat the. The big mistake of writing on the whiteboard with a non-erasable pen. Oh, is that those little screens that you pull down yeah. to project onto? Flip chart oh. markers. I've you s- only do it once. I've seen that. You only do it once. I saw it once on a projection screen as well that somebody oh. had written on the projection screen. That's terrible. Yeah, some classrooms now have these whiteboard paint on the wall. You know, they paint the special paint directly on the wall so that you can write on there. Okay. You have to be careful that it is that particular wall. Yes, there's glass partitions and things that you can write onto instead. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I've seen actual just paint on walls and if you're not careful, you'll be just writing on a wall randomly and it won't be a special paint, it'll be the normal paint. Oh, dear, it'll be there permanently. Yeah, It'll say, Bob and his friends love chasing cats. (laughs) Okay. And hopefully there's no spelling mistakes because it's going to be there forever. Hopefully. Yeah, so just be careful. Um, so there's some clumsy stories here, Em. Have you got any clumsy. more? Yeah, um, not so much with equipment. I was thinking actual wardrobe malfunctions. Have you ever had any of those happening? Um, I don't think so. No, maybe it's not something you think about. But I do have to be quite conscious bending over sort of what things I don't I don't want to be visible. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sometimes need to think about that. Buttons up and um, maybe just on, I remember on a hot day, very hot summer's day, having to go to an office wearing a skirt, not a particularly long skirt. And I had a lesson with a guy and he had a glass table in his office. Don't like those. And yeah, I just remember being very conscious of my legs being visible. Maybe not a mistake, but. I would say it's something to think about. Okay, because you do feel quite self-conscious as a teacher. You're often thinking about the way you're moving, your body language, and I guess that also goes to your clothes. You need to be quite professional looking, but obviously not too stuffy, 
and uh, comfortable, but presenting well. Yes, definitely. Oh, I did one time arrive at work and I was still wearing my slippers, which was kind of fun. Wow. Were they like really fluffy slippers or something or? No, they were those kind of croc style ones, you know, the rubber ones. Ah, so So maybe nobody noticed. I'm not sure they did. did. Yeah, I was in the middle of a lesson. I looked down and I thought, oh, I've still got my slippers on. (laughs) So what about language? Let's come on to something a bit more teacherly, student-based. Have you ever taught something incorrectly? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Probably. Um, You're so fast to answer that. Yeah, I was. I think I was ready for that question. Uh, But I'm sure I fixed it the next lesson. Yeah, well, that's that's good, isn't it? You can say it and take it back the next day or just, you know, admit you didn't check it and yeah. that you have now looked and it was wrong. I don't think you should double down on these things because it will come back to bite you. Yeah, I think it's just that sense of pride, isn't it? You, you don't want to admit that you've made a mistake, but mm. then, well, you can't be right all the time. No, that's true. You can always go home and check it online and, and see whether actually is correct to to use that language the way the students suggest yeah i think it's always a good idea like never make it up if you don't know just don't make it up because then you do regret it afterwards Mm. and you might think um you were right but no gotta gotta go back in and fix everything you said was wrong so that reminds me actually making mistakes with some students or even not making mistakes but you feel like you're making mistakes there was a time i was writing all of the modal verbs on the board with all of their definitions to help the students understand how to differentiate between each of the structures. And there were at least eight people in the classroom. And I remember there was one very pragmatic student in the class. And they, at one point, stopped me because I remember I was underlining each of the modal verbs twice just to show that we'd really clearly dealt with each one. So, for example, can for ability, must have for very strong possibility in the past, etc., etc. And the reason the student put their hand up was, I had only underlined one of the words once. (laughs) And they said, teacher, why did you only underline this once and the others are twice? And I Mm. stopped. I looked at them. I looked at the board. I walked over to the board and I underlined that word twice. And I said, no reason. And then I carried on. Wow. So really paying attention to detail there. Yeah, which is really good. It's fantastic. They're really concentrated. But from a teacher's point of view, it's very hard to be that consistent throughout the whole lesson. Yeah, but from the student point of view, they're thinking, well, there must be a difference of that word or there must be something there, some meaning to it. One thing I would categorise as a mistake is when the teacher dominates too much. Um, I think we've both been to observations of other teachers where it's been a bit like a show Mm. where the teacher is just talking all the time and the students are just sitting there listening and it's like they're being entertained Mm -hmm. by a performer Yeah, and they're just telling stories, telling jokes, almost being a character. Right. And I... Do I think that is a mistake to do that. I think some people think it's a captive audience that right. are there and that they're going to listen to you no matter what. And I th- sometimes students do love it and think that teacher is amazing, but I don't think that's what we should be doing as yeah. teachers. I know from experience students love some of those teachers and they say, oh, we had an amazing teacher last year. 
they had such an interesting life and they told us all these stories. But then I think, but what did you learn? What did you practice? Can you now apply some of that knowledge to your English practice? Yeah, and they're sitting there politely thinking this is probably interesting, but Mm. I'm not practicing, I'm not learning. Exactly, and I've also had students who said, yeah, the teacher just talked all the time and it was really boring and we didn't get to practice. Yeah, yeah, and I feel that pressure sometimes when there is silence in the lesson and I feel like I need to fill it, but I think some teachers get stuck with that feeling of constantly filling that silence and maybe it goes with the sort of the ego as well Mm -hmm. it's about them and that that's what they're paid to do but I've been on the other side which is where I was actually told by the director of studies from that school that the students had complained that I hadn't spoken enough yeah so it's a balance you've Mm -hmm. got to get it right so how do you go in on the first lesson Gav do you talk about yourself do you say what your teaching experience is and where you've been and where you've worked? To be honest, I don't actually talk very much about myself. And maybe that's a mistake sometimes, but I think you've got the whole course to get to know each other. I could stand there and just list all the countries I've been to, talk about all the students I've had, but I'm not sure it's that interesting for the students. I often want to just hear about the students' own experiences. Yeah, and I think that you're right, it comes with time. Why would they be interested in you straight away? I think they've got to get to know you and then feel that natural inquisitiveness to know more about you. Mm. I like to just leave it on the first lesson and not say too much and then hope that people want to know more later. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to teaching, I think... It can be a mistake to go in without considering the class, without considering who you're teaching and why they need the English. It reminds me of one of my first lessons. I was teaching a big group of absolute beginners in Italy and it was in a gas refinery. And I went in thinking in a really like formal business way and probably for the first two or three lessons spent the whole time teaching them how to say, how how do you do? And oh, shake hands. Wow. And it, I don't think it's even relevant to any business situation anymore. I don't think people really say it. And they definitely didn't need to say it because they weren't dealing with customers or clients. Oh, no. So it was a big mistake for me just to go in with a page that was from a really old book or think I needed to teach something so old-fashioned. Consider who it is you're teaching and why they need the English. Yeah, that does sound a bit dated. And another consideration would be how you pair the students together or how you organise them in the classroom. Because I have experience in some countries where you don't typically put boys and girls together. Mm. They would be separate and they might not feel very comfortable sitting next to a specific person. Mm. So there might be something you need to learn before you get to that country or before you teach that class. Yeah, that's a really good point. So cultural awareness as well. Level awareness maybe as well is Mm -hmm. another thing. Do you like to put high-level students with low-level students or do you think it's better if you put high ones together and low ones together? I think it should be a good combination. I feel that it's great for the lower-level student to be with the higher-level student, but you might find the higher-level student doesn't enjoy being with a lower-level student. It can be quite hard to decide 
I don't want to say it's a punishment for the <laughs> higher level student, but mm. sometimes they have to realise that they need to support the other students in the group. Yeah. I would say if you've paired someone up who didn't get on with the other person or didn't have a good conversation, I wouldn't put them together again. No. Hopefully there's somebody else that they can talk to who would be better. But I don't think there has to be this, like, you have to work with this person. You must. Why not, you know, just go with the people that you get on with? If the chemistry's not there, maybe just change it. I think so. But also, you know, keep working on it. It doesn't mean you should give up just because the students don't seem to have a lot in common. Mm, Okay, but not immediately. Maybe give it a bit of time. Let the group bond a bit more. And then later on in the course, put them together again. Maybe. Gav, do you remember everybody's names when you teach a new group? I often don't. I'm actually really bad at remembering names. So is it better to not use names rather than get the name wrong? I have used name badges quite a bit. I remember the first few years that I was teaching, and especially with larger groups. Mm. How about you? Yeah, I do write down names on paper and I try and make notes so I remember them, but getting it wrong, I think, is worse than not saying their name Mm -hmm. at all. But then it can get a bit awkward where you've got lots of people and you're just pointing at people saying, you know, um, can you answer this next question? Yeah. Yeah, especially if you only remember one or two of their names. And also the pronunciation of their names might be quite difficult for you. So you Mm. do need to learn and practice them. Although, do you anglicise some students' names? No, I I ask the student how they would pronounce it and how they would say it themselves. And then I try and copy the way they say it. Okay. Sometimes they say, oh, it's this in English. And I say, well, would you want me to use that? And then I don't mind. If they don't mind, then I might. But I often try and make it sound as close to the way they say it. Okay. I think the students sometimes like the English version of the names as well. They quite enjoy this maybe role play or character that they can Mm. create. Okay. Well, if they give me that name, I will use it. Yeah. But I don't just guess what I think the pronunciation is. No, okay. <laughs> so in your notes, you might write down a phonetic mm, pronunciation exactly. of their name. Yeah, okay. or rhymes with something ah, like that. That's a good idea. One of the mistakes that I always have made and will continue to make, and I don't seem to be able to change it, is the time a student needs to think I just tend to fill it with questions. Mm. So if I ask a question and the student doesn't reply immediately, I then rephrase the question or I'll ask a similar question or Mm. I'll ask another question and I should just stop Mm -hmm. and let the student think. And that is quite difficult for me to do. Yeah, and each student is different as well. I've noticed with some of mine, they're silent because they don't know the answer or they don't know the language or others are thinking And I really need to be more patient. And it's difficult. Yeah. And you don't know what the reason is. So if if they're quiet, then I do think, oh, maybe they haven't understood. That's Mm. usually the thing. But I think often it's not that. I think they do just need time to formulate what they want to say. So that extra couple of seconds, I really need to just let them have it. I've got a key phrase which uh, would be useful for all teachers, I think, which is, we'll study that next week. Okay, this is for dealing with questions that you don't know the answers to. (laughs) Yeah, it's really useful because either you haven't prepared or you just don't know the answer and 
It's a, a tricky question. And so you can just say, oh, that's a great question. We will look at that next week. And then you take out your pen, you pretend to write it on a piece of paper, and then you put the paper in the drawer. Mm. I think that's something that comes with experience. I think coming back to what I said earlier, in my early days of teaching, I would just try and answer that. But now I feel confident enough to say, well, I don't really know. So let's look at that another time or I'll go and research that for you and I'll let you know. So I think weirdly comes with experience, the ability to admit you don't know. Mm. Um, So yes, coming on to more grammar mistakes Gavin how you correct your students I think I think we're going to have to do another episode next week I'm not sure we're going to fit everything in there no I think we're going to have to do another one but um, when it comes to actually correcting how much do you correct for example third person s we all know students make this mistake but they learn it in elementary Mm. they don't get it right until advanced usually or end of b2 so do you bother to correct that sort of thing or do you just leave it? I still do. I still say people like or likes. And they say right. likes. And they look at me as to say, I know that. Yeah, they do. But they can't actually activate it. So I wouldn't do it every time they make that mistake. But maybe, yeah, just point it out. You've got to decide Mm. when is appropriate to do that. But you might be in the situation where you have the other students looking at you and saying, or just thinking, why is the teacher not correcting them? Yeah, yeah, that's another one. If it's a group, you're you're very much under the scrutiny of the other students Mm. and you don't want them to feel you're missing things or you're not doing your job properly. So I think you have to communicate at the beginning of the course how you're going to correct mistakes, Yeah, which ones you're going to focus on. Is it better to just be fluent, to communicate or to be accurate? Most of the time students say they want to be perfect and fluent. You have to explain it might be one or the other, not necessarily both at the same time. And you're going to focus on some grammar and correct some mistakes, maybe not all of them, in different lessons. And once you've taught the language, say, for example, you teach them present perfect, then after that lesson, I would say... If the student makes that mistake again, I will stop them and I will say, sorry, what was that you said? And then that's that's an indication for them to correct themselves. Mm. You told me once that you corrected everything somebody said in a lesson. Well, I have tried. because They asked you to. I've had students who've asked me to correct everything. And I said, are you sure you want me to? And they said, yes, Mm. please. And then they just made so many mistakes that I, it wasn't a conversation anymore. So yeah. I think they realised that there has to be a balance. Yeah, but maybe you need to do that to show it to them that how it would be really difficult to mm. get anywhere. Yeah, uh, I think you need to reassure the students that you're there with their best interests at heart and you will try to support them as much as possible, but... It's about communication and building on top of solid foundations and improving day by day, but not every single word is going to be correct. Mm, Okay. And what do you think about students using their own language to explain to each other about a word or a grammar point? Oh, it kind of annoys me, but I've I've got a, a little breakdown, which is... Step one, if there's an issue with the language, I say, I will try to explain it to you. Step two, get the other students to talk together and see if you can work it out together in English. Step three, 
Google. Okay, or Google. Yeah. Yeah, okay. If the last resort. And I mean Google as in Google Translate. And then the students can talk in their own language if they have to. It Mm. seldom ever happens. But for some students, especially at the beginning of the course, they might feel they need that support. Yeah. I think last resort. I don't think you should be sort of categorically no, no, nothing of your own language. I think sometimes you might need it. So how do you respond in that situation? Yeah, the same. I sort I just I say, well, I don't know if you're saying it right if you say it in your own language. So you need to try at least to explain it to me. If you like one of the other students knows it, then at least try and explain it in English. Um then if they really still look blank, then okay, do it in your own language, but I'm still not sure if it's right. No, because so you might not speak their language and that, you don't know if they're correctly explaining it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. But I think you can use the student's own language from time to time. There can be activities that you use. Mm. There can be, okay, this is a great word that I've found in your language. Can yeah. you explain it to me? How would we express this in English? So I don't think there should be a rule of none of your own language in the English lesson. No. But maybe when you're explaining things, do try to use English first. Definitely. I think we agree on that, Gav. Okay. Definitely. Okay, Gav. So lots of really good points there. I think next week we're going to focus more on how to correct mistakes and what students can do yes so we've had a look at some physical mishaps some slips of the tongue and next time you're right we should start fixing them how can we fix them em i'm really excited okay so bring your tools with you yes we'll start fixing okay good see you next week then see ya Bye. bye